I don't know. <laughs> Listen to them, children of the night. What music they make. It is midnight in Cozy Corner and at 1428 Elm Street. It is time for the Late Night Fright with Dan and Favor right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. Hey, what have we got tonight? Tonight, we got West Coast. Raven's 1994 Freddy Krueger movie. New Nightmare starring Robert Englund and Heather Langen Kemp. Can you dig it? I can dig it. I can dig it. I can dig it too. I am the coyote. It is the one year anniversary of the late night fright with Dan and Faith. Welcome to the Late Night Fright right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. I am Dan and with me as always is my very nightmarish co-host. Say hi, Faith. Hi, Faith. Faith, this is our one year anniversary. I know. Our one year anniversary. Can you believe it? It seems like a long time, but then again, not. Yeah, I have a couple of, uh, I have two numbers I would like to share. In the course of our year during this show, we have been heard in 57 countries. Wow. We have been heard in 46 of the 50 states. And all I'm going to say is Idaho, (laughs) Wyoming, Oklahoma, and Vermont, we're coming for you. (laughs) We're coming for you. We just can't seem to get them on the board. wonder why not. I don't know. That's a great question. We just can't seem to get them on the board. Idaho and Wyoming, I can kind of see that. You know, I can kind of see it. But Oklahoma, I would think, you know, would be on the board in, in Vermont because we've got New England locked up. I feel like every time I look at the map of where we've been listened to, I, it, I feel like this must be what it's like on election night. You know, when you're looking at like the electoral <laughs> map, you know, <laughs> and I'm like, all right, we we got to have those nine electoral votes from Louisiana. we got to have those nine votes from down there. Well, we're calling you out, whoever you just named. We're calling you out. So, But this is it. This is it. This is our uh, year, year anniversary show. This show started with a Wes Craven movie. We did the film Scream, and we thought it was only right to come back to the master of horror for our year anniversary. And Faith, what are we talking about tonight? Wes Craven's New Nightmare. Ooh, from 1994. This is the 10-year anniversary movie of the Elm Street series and the seventh, if you're keeping count of that kind of thing, in the uh, Elm Street series. This is a really interesting movie, too. This is a kind of a Freddy Krueger movie without Freddy (laughs) Krueger in a lot of ways. And uh, we've discovered this. As the show is going on, we've really found this in the past couple of months. I don't know if it's something that we're noticing or if it's the movies that we've picked, but we really saw it during Mystery Thriller Month. 
great movies tend to be about movies. And this one in particular is about movies. Mm-hmm. And it's about a lot of things, but movies in particular. And um, it's interesting. We're going we're gonna to get into it. I have some things I would like to say about this film. I know <laughs> I know you do too. And um, But sincerely, if this is your first time uh, tuning in, welcome to our cozy little corner of the internet. If this is uh, a return visit for you, we appreciate your continued support. And to all of you out there who are regular listeners of the show and have been with us for for this great year that we've had, uh, thank you for uh, tuning in. We uh, we really appreciate it, and it's uh, the success that we've had with the show has uh, exceeded uh, things that we thought we were going to do with it. Yeah. And, uh, we had a great month. We we're looking forward to another great month. Hopefully uh, it just keeps getting bigger and better, and that's what she said. There it is. <laughs> there it is. We um, we did a mystery thriller month in January. February we are dedicating to horror films, just just straight horror films. And so we wanted to go ahead and do this one because uh, Wes Craven was so good to us with our first episode, and we thought yes. it would be nice to loop back around and talk about it. So we're going to get into Wes Craven's new nightmare in just a moment. But, Faith, we have a little bit of business, don't we? We do. What time is it, Faith? Time for the news. Time for the news. Cozy Corners residents recently voted Waffle House the best hangover food. Taco Bell was voted the best still drunk food. I'll agree with that. Me too. Rita Tutor, poet laureate of Cozy Corner, recently published a book of dirty limericks entitled Men from Nantucket. We have one here available for your consumption. And it goes thusly. <laughs> There once was a man from Madras whose balls were made of brass. In stormy weather, they cling together and sparks fly out of his ass. Pretty good. Thank you. <laughs> Gwyneth Paltrow's show, The Goop Lab, is available to stream on Netflix. Topics include magic mushrooms, vulvas, and vulnerability, and a discussion of other issues people with too much money and time on their hands care about. Gwyneth, while charming as a mofo in the Marvel movies, has apparently lost her grip on reality. God bless you, Gwynny. Well, breaking news and a little breaking wind. I just farted, and it is indeed rank. It was silent and is very deadly. I owe everyone an apology for being such a nasty bastard. I would love to say I'll never do it again, but we all know that's not true. While... Somewhat proud of the stink I just conjured. I apologize if I have offended anyone. Thank you. I'm offended. Yeah, you are. it hasn't hit you yet. <laughs> <laughs> and that is the news. wafted the stink out of here uh speaking of the goop lab faith and i just did a commentary on the first episode of the goop lab it is available wherever podcasts can be found uh i don't know how i feel about that episode but i do know how i feel about the show it was an odd it was an odd experience watching that show and doing commentary on it and uh i'll just give you a heads up if you haven't listened to it it we were we went in cold like we made the agreement to to watch it without um 
you know, viewing it beforehand. So our reaction to it was legit. <laughs> and we were expecting something with a little levity and, and, and some A little humor. more like uh, lighter. Yeah. You know, it was so heavy. And it was, yeah, heavy is the it's right just... word for it. But God bless you, Gwenny. And it is indeed something that is for women with, or women, it's people, <laughs> but it seems to be geared toward the ladies, you know. Too much money and too much time on their hands. Yeah. So, well... It was pretty frightening. We have something frightening we're going to talk about tonight. 1994's Wes Craven's New Nightmare. This is our anniversary show, Faith. It's been a great year. I'm looking forward to another great year with you doing this. So, uh, yeah, let's get to it. Let's take a break and get into it. Let's go for it. All right. I am Dan. And I am Faith. We'll see you on the other side. Cozy Corner Community Playhouse proudly presents a production of A Nightmare on Elm Street, starring Faith of the Late Night Fright and Bobby, host of Afterglow, the show that comes on after the Late Night Fright. Hello? I'm your boyfriend now, Nancy. Wow, Bobby, you're getting really good at that. Yeah, I've been practicing. Can you teach me how to do that? Yeah, in your dreams. One, two, Freddy's coming for you. A Nightmare on Elm Street. Only at the Cozy Corner Community Playhouse. Welcome to prime time, bitch! Whoa, that was really good. Yeah, that wasn't me. This is Antoine Duplay, Psychic, inviting you to my new show on WKMF, Cozy Corner Public Radio. It's called Teabagging with Antoine. I will be reading the tea leaves in an attempt to give you an accurate forecast of the future. Green tea, black tea, all the teas. Let me, Antoine Duplace, like a tea bag you. Welcome back to the Late Night Fright right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. I am Dan. And I am Faith. And we are celebrating our one-year anniversary with the man who started it all for the show. We started off with a Scream from Wes Craven, and we're doing his 1994 film New Nightmare. This is the seventh film in the Nightmare on Elm Street series and uh, is considered to be one of the better of the uh, of that first run, yeah. you know, going up to... Uh, 
Freddy versus Jason. So mm-hmm. just Freddy solo adventures as it is. So uh, let's get right into it. This is a very neat movie. Mm-hmm. There are some things that we need to talk about in regards to this movie. And uh, we're going to get to it. But first, let's just get your thoughts. Faith, what did you think of The New Nightmare? I think this movie is, like the first one that pops up is cool. I think this movie is really cool and just really neat to watch. It's a lot of fun to watch. Yes. And I, I I loved watching it. I've only once I started watching it, I realized, man, I haven't seen this whole movie. I'd only seen parts of it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, why is that? Right. <laughs> it's a really good movie. This uh this is the movie more than any that made me a fan of Wes Craven. Uh as much as I got uh, the original Elm Street film that mm-hmm. he did, and I was aware of, I've seen all the screen films and all, but uh, you know, I was really getting into the Kruger series and the idea of that character. And we talk a lot about how what the Kruger character is. We mm-hmm. talk about that quite a bit in the Elm Street '84 episode that we did. That's available. And but when I saw this, the way that he deconstructs stories and he deconstructs evil and you know, we talked about this in our Silence of the Lambs episode. We had that great quote from Flea where he was talking about Metallica and you have a safe place mm-hmm. where you can put bad thoughts right. and it and then it becomes alchemy and it turns into something else and it turns into something, uh, you know, beautiful and artistic. And, uh, you know, and these these kind of stories teach you about dealing with life and, and meeting life head on and uh, and really dealing with the bad things. And. It's kind of funny, A, being the new nightmare mm-hmm. and, and then by proxy the Elm Street series with what we just talked about with the Goop Lab. Because on the on the Goop Lab episode, if you haven't listened to it, a very short synopsis, they go down to Jamaica and they take these uh, magic mushrooms and they drink this tea and they have these cathartic emotional experiences and, and we're not belittling the pain and situations no. that these people find themselves in. But, um, you know... We talk about in the episode that we we seem to not know as a society how to deal with things head on. And one of the things that Elm Street teaches us is, you know, you have to uh, uh, know and name the fear so that you can look it in the face Mm -hmm. and then you can you can see it for what it is and you can turn your back on it and take away all the power that it has over you. And I think that's a wonderful way to live. I think that's a proper way to live. And one of the things that I think great horror movies do, great movies in general, but great horror movies can teach you lessons about how to live. And that goes back all the way to the Greeks and mythology. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they had these stories of horror. And the thing about the new nightmare and and why I found Wes Craven so, so brilliant is he talks about the fear, you know, the Mm -hmm. the collective fear that we have, you know, the that that hangs out in the subconscious, you know, in the great kind of collective subconscious mind. And I remember being in a I went to a Catholic high school and I was in a religion class. And one of the things I remember is there was a, a quote in our in our textbook and it talked about calling things by their proper name. And they were given the example of a tree. You know, it's like a tree is not, you know, a stop sign or you, if you call something by its proper name, then you can you can deal with it. You know, you identify right. it, you can give it its proper respect, mm-hmm. you can, you know, uh, then start to interact with it, you know, as one should. And so he had this idea that uh, there's this great subconscious fear and 
you know, stories and things like this can capture it because if you can give it form and a name, then it doesn't fly unfiltered through the collective unconscious wreaking right. havoc. Then it it's there and you can you can identify it. And he thought that it's better dealt with in a story or on a screen than having to deal with it in real life. Right. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of issues this movie raises. Uh, Roger Ebert, the critic who was not a big fan of the Elm Street series, gave this movie three out of four stars. And he said, finally, we have a horror movie that deals with horror movies. And uh, <laughs> I like that aspect of it. And uh, he especially... Notice it's the uh, effect it has not only on people who watch them, but then on children. So where do you fall on this? Because this movie really is about the great collective unconscious Mm -hmm. and the fear. Because the Freddy Krueger that we see in this movie is not the Freddy Mm Krueger. It's this ancient, the thing that's been there since the beginning of time that has been trapped was was trapped by the storyteller in these films and they're not making them anymore so it wants out but it likes this form right. so it, and it's really a head scratcher of a movie <laughs> it's really cool because we're going to get into the meta aspect of it in just a second but um what do you what do you think of the effect that horror movies have you know on people because i'll say this i grew up watching horror movies obviously still watch horror movies and, and enjoy and appreciate a variety mm-hmm. of the genre but um I know that there are certain people out there who can be triggered by these kind of things. But for me, it always, they were just stories. Mm-hmm. It's not something I'm going to go out and, and, and reenact, you know. But So where do you fall on this with children and horror movies and, and just the whole thing, you know, the, the place they have yeah. in our lives? I mean, I'm kind of with you on that. I mean, I've always watched them and they've never affected me to that, to an extreme, you know. But I mean, I, I maybe, maybe it depends on who you are, I guess. I mean... I can see children having a, an effect on it, maybe. I mean, then again, I was a child watching horror movies. Right. And I don't have, you know, I never had any type of reaction to them. I don't know. Right. I, I think, you know, from a therapeutic level, this movie, this idea presented in this movie of, you know, the ancient evil that's out there, then you can give it form and mm-hmm. name and you can destroy it you know it doesn't have to be the ancient evil it can be the thing in your life you know that you're dealing with whatever loss or or you know any any number of problems that you might have but if you can give it the proper name and look at it you can you can destroy it you can you know either turn your back on take away its power you know and i think i think that's what i find so fascinating about him is the optimism that's (laughs) actually at the core of all of this you know the this isn't just you know um you know a a haunted house you know this isn't a spook house where you walk in and and you're jumping the entire time like there's actual you know you know meat on the bone of this idea and i think that's what makes that first movie and this movie so real you know really special Mm -hmm. you know and i think uh i think just that idea of uh i love that idea it's one of my favorite scenes in the movie when he himself playing himself, yeah. you know, says that storytellers can capture this ancient evil, you know, and yeah. and they can trap it for a little while and, and give it that form that we talk about. And uh, that's a really fascinating idea. And I like that it gives power to the story because stories are so important. I think, you know, I think stories, you know, um, 
it's part of the way we communicate. It's part of the way we communicate our experience, you know, and, and not just yeah. our experience, but that shared experience, you know, that collective unconscious, you know, that he seems to be wanting to tap into with with the uh, Elm Street films that he did. So um, the neatest aspect of this movie is the meta fiction aspect of it in that uh, there are characters in this movie playing, quote unquote, themselves. They're playing a version of themselves. And after the six films that came before. So the story goes, Wes Craven did the first one. He did contribute a story for the third one. But there was a problem uh, behind the scenes, Hollywood problem with money and things like this. He wasn't getting points in the sequels and the merchandise, basically. He'd created this cash cow and he wasn't getting his due. And I don't care, you know, how good a person you are, you right. know, what, what your outlook on life is. I mean, he created this pop culture phenomenon. He yeah. was not getting money from it. So they fixed that. They had been after him to come back. He didn't want to come back for this because he thought the sequels were just watered down. Mm-hmm. I will go with him that I mean, <laughs> and I love these movies. I love these movies. When you get into four or five and six, yeah. it starts to get. It, you're not that boiler yeah. room Freddy that, you know, because he's mean in the first one. He's yeah, mean in the second one. Yeah, it's just more of one. that kind of, um, what's the word? Uh, it, it's just. It, it's comical, but it's more of that, um, my brain has gone dead. You know what I'm trying to get out, do you? I, I might be. <laughs> I, I might be getting it from you. She's trying, I can see she's making this, this gesture. <laughs> like, you, know, you know what I'm trying, to say, I'm trying what to say what he this. is. Yeah, he becomes more of a, a prankster in a lot of ways. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's like Roadrunner and Coyote kind of thing. You know, he's not that dark, malevolent, no. evil. And I've said this before about the character. You have a lot of different looks at Kruger throughout the series. And, um, you know, God bless him. Robert England gives you all of these different looks and everybody enjoys different aspects of the character. Some people prefer the very right. funny, you know, uh, Kruger. I like it all. You know, I prefer the the darker, more. Yeah. Kind of like, intellectual. Yeah, I like one. it all, but I feel like he has to be darker. You know, I mean, that's just yeah. that's him. Yeah, and so they they uh, they fix their business deals, and uh, Wes agreed to come back for the tenth anniversary. So this movie being uh, 94, 10 years after the eighty four original, and he sat down and watched the sequels. He says he couldn't really follow the story after a while because Freddy Krueger became the hero of the of the story. Uh, the great director, John Landis, who directed the Blues Brothers and Animal House and American Werewolf in London and Coming to America, said that uh, anytime you get into a part four and then you get into five and six with anything, it becomes parody. And they yeah. become parodies and, yeah. and, and farces almost. You know, the last film, Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare, is literally a Warner Brothers cartoon with Freddy playing the role of the coyote in a lot of ways, you know. And um, so Wes Craven said he wanted to come in and and make a film about the films themselves and the phenomenon of, of the Nightmare on Elm Street and uh, how it had affected all of these people's lives. And so he came in with this idea. Now, the idea of the the character coming out of the film into the real world had been around. It was part of his idea for the third oh, film. Yeah, I read that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so he finally got gets to do this idea. He gets to take this metafiction idea. And metafiction, you know, it's one of these things where characters can be aware they're in a play or a movie or a book. Uh, they can, uh, you know, talk about the rules of the genre. You, mm-hmm. Metafiction, Scream, you see, <laughs> Scream, this is two years before Scream. Yep. So this is uh, kind of almost setting the template for Scream. But this is metafiction at its finest. And so these characters are playing themselves and they're commenting on like like the the world of the story which is what this is doing um 
I think it's a brilliant hook for this. I think so. Because you have Heather Langenkamp playing (laughs) Heather Langenkamp, but she's Nancy. Right. (laughs) She's actually Nancy. Robert England, of course, is back as Freddie. And then you see him playing Robert England. (laughs) You see John Saxon show up. You see Wes Craven playing himself. Robert Shea, the president of New Line. Sarah Risher, the, the executive producer like all these people pop up as themselves you see uh, a lot of the cast members from the entire franchise behind her and um did you read about johnny depp yes yeah johnny he didn't want to ask johnny because he didn't think he would do it and johnny said oh yeah i would have done it you know know, before i read it i watched it and i was like man they should have got johnny and then i read that and i was like okay well (laughs) yeah he should have asked so and then uh then at the center of the story as we said heather langenkamp is back uh playing heather langenkamp and uh (laughs) Uh, Miko Hughes, who uh, is of the boys have a penis, girls have a vagina fame, and uh, from Kindergarten Cop, and uh, uh, he was in Pet Cemetery. Yeah, he's been he's uh, horror royalty here. <laughs> he plays her son Dylan, and it's really their story. It's their movie. Freddie gets relegated back into the shadows. He's uh, it's it's not a huge role. I'd say he maybe has thirty minutes of screen time, if that. Yeah. I would say he maybe has twelve. lines of dialogue maybe 20 he doesn't speak much no um so this really gets back into the spirit of the original film and what made it work and he asked some big questions and he is constantly referencing mythology and fairy tales and things like that and this ties in with what we talked about on our elm street episode that you know the nightmare in elm street film is a fairy tale mm-hmm. you know it's yeah. it's uh that's where its roots are it's yeah. like silence <laughs> of the lambs with the with you know freddy's the dragon in the boiler room so here he's he's the dragon in that collective unconscious you know <laughs> and uh let's talk about freddy krueger in this film he's again played by robert england and uh the biggest difference here is if you're if you're looking at the series as a whole this gets back to the darker more malevolent mm-hmm. freddy as we said the one that lives in the shadows uh this one's kind of in the shadows of the mind and as the tagline of the film says this time falling asleep you know uh staying awake won't save you uh so he is coming into the real world but the biggest thing here is he the look the look is different from the previous incarnations yes. and this is um more in line with what Wes Craven had wanted for the original film. So what did you think of the Kruger look in this film? I liked it. And I know this was his original kind of, you know, vision, but I like that it came out for this movie. You know, I, I feel like it really worked best for this kind of being that whole more demon, you know, type entity. I feel like it really it yeah. worked better for this. What I like about it is you can tell it's Freddy Krueger. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt that who this right. is supposed to be. I like that it's meaner. Mm-hmm. I like that it's different because of the subject matter. Right. And and like you said, it's that it's that demonic entity. Right. It's not quote unquote Fred. Freddy, right. You know? Yeah. And um I like the look of it on England. And the thing that was knocking me out when I was watching it is there's a couple of scenes where you can tell it's Robert. You know, you see him. But there are a couple of times where you don't see him under there. And that's one of the things I've always talked about that was so wonderful about the makeup. You could see him in there and he's emoting. Well, here with that, uh, you know, with the way that this was, I don't know, the design or the application, like, there are times where you honest to God, it's, you know, you they credit Freddy Krueger as himself in the in credits. <laughs> yeah. And uh, there's times I was like, oh, it's just Freddy Krueger. Look, yeah, right. like 
<laughs> but uh, I think a lot of it had to do with the contacts that they had in because, yeah. you know, a lot of times Robert's eyes are popping out, you know, those blue eyes and this, there, there's those yellow, you know, just that evil, you know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, color palette going yeah. on. Yeah. But then like the, the look of that, that, you know, just sections of skin missing, you know, and there's a beauty to it too, which no, is, there really is, you know, he almost pops like. His colors seem yeah. somewhere, it's, you know, vibrant. He's just kind of. And it's almost like, you know, they have him in the light quite a bit here. Although mm-hmm. there's a lot of scenes in the dark, but they have him in the light. It's almost like they're they're proud of it. Yeah. It's, like, it's like, here, look at him. You, right? and, you know, this time you're seven movies in, you know who it is. You <laughs> right. know, and it's like, we want you to see it, you know. But he even gets upgrades with the hat. You know, he doesn't wear the hat too terribly much Mm-mm. in the film. One scene he wears the hat. And uh, but the sweater's still red and green, a little different. He's got the leather pants on. He's got uh, the big boots. He wears a coat quite a bit in the movie, too, which is uh, which is kind of a change. And uh, it just seems like everything gets an upgrade and it's just a little more sleeker and evil (laughs) in the hand. The glove is is also uh, in addition is more skeletal. You can see the tendons in there. Mm -hmm. uh, He's got a a thumb claw this time. So he's got five claws. It's just a little different enough so that you go, wait, you know. <laughs> so uh, what did you think of England's performance as Freddy? Because this is going back to the original, you know, kind of incarnation of the character mm-hmm. and taking it to the next level. What did you think of England's performance here? I love him here. And I've even read this is his favorite movie. And I feel like you almost kind of see that when he's playing this because, I don't know, he brings out... Like you said, he's not really Freddy, but you still get that vibe that it is yeah. Freddy. But he's playing it so dark and yeah. it's so good. Yeah, it really does harken back to that original film yeah. with who is this guy? Mm-hmm. What is this thing? You right. know, and uh, he's great. Like I said, I there are times where I don't even see him, yeah. and he's, you know, uh, the voice is there, of course, and they're they're doing a low pitch on his voice again. Mm-hmm. Uh, his physicality in this film, I think, is is the best out of the eight times that we've seen him play Freddy. You know, he's, he's menacing and I don't know cause he's not a big man. Right. You know, and you see him, you know, as himself in the film and he's, he's, I wouldn't call him scrawny, but he's not a big imposing man, but there, this Freddy seems more built. Like mm-hmm. he, he's he, like a yeah, linebacker almost like, uh, uh, you know, he's not built for speed. He's built for power. And there's mm-hmm. a, and that menace comes, you see in his shoulder. I don't know if they were padding him or not, you know, but he, right. there's a there's heft to him in this yeah. movie. And uh, you see it in his face, too. His face is a little bigger and broader. And uh, he just he just oozes evil, you know, know. In, in this film. And it's amazing, like I said, because I know he's he's a gentleman and a, and a gentle soul. And, and I don't see him you know, yeah, to bring that out. Like, where's it coming from? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love his movements in this film, though. And yeah. and did you notice the camera work was allowing us to see him like when he comes out of the closet, the big reveal coming out of the closet. He, uh, you know, Wes lets us see him in full frame. You know, right. He's not hidden in shadows. You're seeing him in that movement. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's wonderful. It's it wonderful. It really is. And, uh, but the real star of the movie is Heather Langenkamp, uh, who's returning as Heather That's Langenkamp. <laughs> But but she's playing Nancy. That's I mean she really is. She's she playing really is. she's playing Nancy. Um, she appears in the the three best films. I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let me ask this question up front. Do you think that the three best films and we're in agreement one three and and this seven are the best? And then yep. we we do like Freddy versus Jason. But yeah. that's more of its. I feel like it's off its own it's a, thing. Yeah. 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 
Uh, she's in one, three, and seven. Those are uh, usually considered by fans and critics to be the best. We consider those to be the best films. Uh, do you think those are the best because she's in it? I was literally about to say that. Yeah, I think so. I feel like her relationship with Freddie is just, I don't know, she grounds it so well. And I feel like everyone that she's in, she just stands out. And I feel like you kind of almost forget kind of, you know, the other people who are kind of up against Freddie. But I really think she's the reason. That's the point Wes Craven made. You just, you're bringing, and he said in the sequels, you're bringing in fresh victims mm-hmm. for for the killer (laughs) and that's the thing like with her you don't think of her as a victim you think of her as she we talked about final girls on the show quite a bit Mm -hmm. in in the early run of the show and uh i think we were if i'm remembering correctly we both agreed that she is number one for us because she fights back because she's intuitive because she's (laughs) the intelligence and um i think she's wonderful yeah i think she's wonderful in, in one in three uh I like her a lot here. I, I, I feel like this is like, you know, you could watch one, the first one, and then this one, and you see this mature woman, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, I know she's playing herself. She's playing Nancy. <laughs> you know, she's Nancy. And uh, I, I, I like her. There's a couple moments. I don't think she's the greatest actress in the world. With that said, I don't think she's cringy or anything like that. But um, No, there are a few moments where it was just, you know, it wasn't like. Yeah, it, my favorite, but yeah, but I think for the most part, I think she she was really great in this. Yeah, she is. Uh, she really fits in with this world mm-hmm. for whatever reason, and uh, I think her performance is great. Uh, one of the things you know, we usually talk about this with Robert England when we talk about these movies. Faith, you always go for the eyes, the eye, the eyes. You know, well, he's wearing those those contacts. For me, it was Heather Langenkamp's eyes her in this eyes movie. <laughs> yep, those big, beautiful blue, blue eyes, eyes yeah. that she has. And um, she was probably about 30 or so years old when they made this movie because she was about 20 or so when they did Elm Street. So we'll, we'll say 30. And uh, she looks so radiant mm-hmm. in does. this movie. There's a there's a real healthy there was a healthiness to her in, in 84 mm-hmm. movie. But she she just really glows yeah. here. And she just she just has that look of just a really attractive, you know, yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Um, 30 something year old woman, yeah. you know, her hair's gorgeous. She, and she looks gorgeous. And the reason I'm bringing up her looks is because I, I, I think she's a beautiful woman. She still is a beautiful yeah. woman. But when you see this, this woman put in this position, <laughs> you know, and you see this kind of start to unravel, you know, <laughs> it's, 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 it's interesting to watch. Yeah. It's really interesting to watch. So, uh, the metafiction aspect of it, uh, we do get to see, Kind of the uh, the pop culture Freddie. Uh, she's on a talk show talking about the 10th anniversary of the show. They surprise her with Roberto Inglundo. <laughs> he comes out in a Freddie makeup, you know, and is hamming it up as the Uncle Fred persona, you know. <laughs> yep. The uh, audience is dressed up as Freddie and they're just eating it up, you know. And uh, kids love Freddie, as they say. You know, they know who Fred Krueger is. He's like Santa, Santa Claus, Claus or King Kong. <laughs> You know, so you get to see the other versions of uh, of Freddy, and then you get this very evil version. You juxtapose mm-hmm. uh, juxtapose them you know, against each other. Uh, Robert has a line in this movie that's really interesting. You know, he talks about uh, I forget the exact line, but uh, he was talking about you know they'd love to see us again. You know, it could be like a love story. Yeah. You know, you know why can't a love story have a few decapitations? Yes. <laughs> Do you see the Freddy Nancy relationship as as a love story, and, and I mean that in the loosest sense of the word? Do you see this film's relationship as a sort of love story? Because yeah. 
I do. I feel like we talked about that maybe in one of the beauty and the beast maybe, aspect yeah. of it. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely see that. And I mean I feel like it's still still I don't know what that was. <laughs> Just No, I, I feel like you still see that with this entity wanting to, you know, portray Freddy. There's still like you feel like there's this you know, this love going on <laughs> between them. One of the most chilling scenes was when he comes out of the closet. Mm-hmm. And he has her on the bed. And, you know, there's the idea of the sexual and they're not implying that. But I mean, that's what subconsciously you're supposed to be thinking there. They're on the bed. Right. You know, so the sexual intimacy. And he's in her face and he goes and he stops and looks at her and goes, Nancy. You know, like the recognition (laughs) of the lovers, you know, and they have to do their courtship dance again. Like he is requiring her to do the courtship dance because... She's the barrier to him getting out into the world. Yeah. And there have been the signs throughout the movie, the earthquakes, you know, the, him coming into the world, these signs of exactly. of this apocalypse coming, <laughs> you know. But she stands in his way because she represents, you know, from the films, but she also represents the good because she's the mother. We're going to and, and let's go ahead and get into that. The, the mother father aspect of this. Um, again, they're coming together. They kill the father. Her husband dies in the movie. Special mm-hmm. effects guy. Now, in real life, she did marry a special effects guy, so <laughs> that's kind of cool. But uh, so they were taken from real life. But um, so Freddie, in a way, becomes the father. And I'm going to make my point here because were you catching the father references yes. in this film? Yes. Like they were pretty heavy, weren't they? Yes. <laughs> kind of hard to. So not. To... What were some that you uh, that you were noticing? I can't remember off the top of my head. I, I'm terrible to remember. They talked about the Hansel and Gretel story yes. and they left the breadcrumbs and they went and killed the witch and that way their father was yes. able to reconnect with them. That's right. You know, they leave the breadcrumbs and they go down into uh, what, uh, it's not hell, it's not the boiler room, no. but like the place of, of evil, yeah. you know, Freddy's domain. Uh, the I'm going to call it like the dark side of the collective unconscious, you know. <laughs> and like it was great with all the Roman pillars and stuff, you know, the antiquity and, and it's been there forever and taken all these different yes. forms, you know. And... um. But they they did. They made reference to the father quite a bit, Mm -hmm. you know, and she uh, the moment when she becomes Nancy again, it's the word father that triggers it because she's talking to John Saxon. She goes or daddy is the word, actually, you know, you know, I love you, too, daddy. And at that point, he comes up out of the bed. So there's this dance going on between them. But he is the father. And one of the things we talked about in the original movie and Wes really brings it out here is uh, the idea of Kronos. Kronos, the father of yes. the gods who ate his children. And he, uh, in one, uh, in the scene toward the end, he says, you know, I'm going to eat you up and goes to eat the kid. Right. Like Kronos would do. And uh, it's all there. I know. Like it's all there. And so it's a, it's this weird love story and this fairy tale. And you got this monster at the, at the center of it, and it's just absolutely wonderful. I guess you would never think it's you know fairy tale related. It's so cool that and they talk know, that it goes and, there. And that's the thing though, because because she's reading Hansel and Gretel. Yeah. You know the little fairy tale references when they're down in the underworld. You know with uh, Camille Piglet, which is making me think of the Three Little Pigs. You know yep. and uh, you know going to eat you up like the witch. You know and, yeah. and all this, but that of course in the Kronos idea. You know which is so prevalent in uh, in that Freddy lore. You know, you finally kind of got to put it on screen. Right. What's what's great about the new nightmare is it's 
like the ideas behind the original 84 movie, he then got to take them and put them on screen, you know? So it's, uh, it's very cool. It really is. It's a very cool movie. What did you think about seeing everybody play themselves? I actually really like that. I think it's, uh, I don't know, you don't see it too often. And then when you do, I feel like, you know, it might not be that that great of an idea, but I think it worked really good here. I liked, I liked seeing. <laughs> I liked seeing Robert England play <laughs> Robert England. You know, he's just in there painting. Yeah, <laughs> I will say this: I think he missed an opportunity in this film to have Freddie kill Robert England. I thought that I was like that would have been a great yeah. scene. I think. <laughs> You know, it would have been cool. I know in the script there was a scene where he's having a dream about him, so mm-hmm. he did interact. I was like, that would have been great to see Freddie kill Robert England. Oh, no, you know, that, <laughs> yeah. is, that is that is pretty cool. Been great. Um, I like the way that this movie reveals Freddie, mm-hmm. like, you don't even see him until no. you know 40 minutes into the film, mm-hmm. and then you know, the full reveal of him, you know, it, it, it just kind of builds and builds. This movie keeps building towards Freddie, yeah, you know. And I feel like we've talked about that quite a lot recently, how, you know, introducing certain people at certain times is very necessary. I feel like it that works here, him not coming yeah. out, you know, instantly. And yeah. Well, the thing is, you're you're engaged in the Heather Langenkamp story. That's the yeah. thing. And then you get, you know, the fun of the Fred Krueger movie on top exactly. of it. You know, but it's I don't even think of this like an Elm Street movie. This no, is something something completely like its own thing, but it's, it's completely dependent on Elm street (laughs) for you to really enjoy. And there were references to, to the movies throughout, you know, there were Mm -hmm. lines, like we talked about the King Kong, Santa Claus line, uh, the steps, you know? Uh, but again, this is not a movie that relies on nostalgia to propel Mm -hmm. it along. You know, I really think this is the work of a genius, you know, with all of the flaws that this movie has because of whatever, you know, budget reasons and, you know, maybe some movie issues, you know, story wise, this is the work of an absolute genius, the way that this loops back on itself. Yeah, like I think I was even reading people were like, you know, and I'll even ask you, they're very similar, this and Scream. Everybody's like, oh, Scream is just so much better. But in the long run, I think Scream's more fun. Yeah. But I think this one almost kind of feels underrated a little bit. Yeah. You know, I mean, this uh, are both great, but this movie, yeah. I think, is just the way that it's kind of delivered to you is where it's like, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, movies and horror movies were foremost on his mind and the mm-hmm. effect that these things have, you know, like we were talking about on children, you know. Right. And uh, I think he, he does take the road that uh, these movies are important because if he didn't, she wouldn't be reading the script to the kid at the end. Right. You know, yeah. this is an important story. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a. Uh, yeah, and you, you deal with these things with bravery and courage and honesty and and and, uh, and fortitude and all those other things and uh, you know. But if you can if you can see its form and give it name, you can go down. Yeah. You know, because you know that that little uh, dinosaur Rex, he's not going to keep him out forever. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to go and deal with it and put put the witch in the oven. You know. Yeah. Um, just a cool movie. It's hard to describe how cool this is. It really, it's it's it really one you have is. to see. It, 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 yeah, I agree. Yeah. The other great thing, too, is, you know, this, uh, because it's not nightmares, you mm-hmm. know, but it's the fantasy and reality thing. And, and so in a lot of ways, it is like that movie where you don't know, you know, right. <laughs> where that line of reality yeah, is, you know. It's true. And it's great. And I love that it loops back into the original movie. She has to go into the house, you know, yeah. that this this thing <laughs> is requiring this of her, yeah. you know. 
and they're able to trap the entity again. Yeah, it's it's, it's heady. Really well done. It's heady stuff. It's <laughs> it's it's there's so much depth here, you know. It really is. And it's um it's just something you really need to see. Like I said, I really do believe that this is the work of a genius. Mm-hmm. And you got two great actors. Three. Sorry, Miko Hughes carries a lot of this movie. You he know. scares me more than I think yeah. demonic entity Freddy does. Yeah, yeah, there's a real <laughs> creeptasticness to him. Yeah. Always. Uh, yeah. Well, boys have a penis, girls have a vagina. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. He always seems like he's very uh just um on high alert or something. <laughs> You're always at DEFCON 4 with Miko Hughes. At least as a child. I don't know about today, but... Yeah. Well, this is as good a spot as any to take a break. We are going to take a very short break, and when we get back, we're going to talk about some of our favorite moments from Wes Craven's new nightmare. I am Dan. And I am Faith. And we'll see you on the other side. Trekkies! Zoom, zoom! That's Trekkies with a Z! Join me for a look back at City on the Edge of Forever, starring William Shatner, Leonard Nimoy, the Forest Kelly, and special guest star John Collins. Va-va-voom, va-va-voom! Zoom, zoom, airing exclusively on WKNF Cozy Corner Public Radio. This song is beautiful. Lutes, toot, toot. Madame Hill's Juju Emporium, specializing in amulets, talismans, and spell books. Madame Hill's Juju Emporium, located on Sacred Burial Road next to King's Drive-In Theater. Madame Hill's Juju Emporium, Juju for you.
Welcome back to the Late Night Fright right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. I am Dan. And I am Faith. And we're going to wrap up our discussion of Wes Craven's New Nightmare from 1994 film. You and I both really enjoyed. And uh, yeah. and I think it's uh, I think it's one of the great horror films. I think I really so, too. Do. I think, yeah. This, this is, is a movie that transcends its genre, I think. Yeah. I think people need to see this movie. I was just about to say that. I think, yeah. it, you, I think you have to see it. I think if you're going to watch all of them, I think, you know, all of the Nightmare, I think this is an important one. To yeah, see for sure. Absolutely. And uh, I don't feel like this is, is too much of a gore fest either. Mm-mm. No, no, I yeah. don't think so. The worst thing to look at in the movie is him. Yeah. And there's a beauty to, to the look, too, I yeah. think. And uh, wonderful performance from him. So, I mean, there's 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 a lot to see in this movie. It and really is. They bring in real uh, world horror, too, because there was an earthquake in 1994. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the things that you see, you know, dealing with the earthquakes that were in the script already, he was able to put... You know, the 1994 mm-hmm. earthquake that was out there in California into the film. So some of that destruction is real and kind of kind of funny how things work out. <laughs> right. How things work out. So uh, as we do here on the Late Night Fright, we like to talk about our favorites at the end of the movie. And Faith, I will throw it to you. Uh, did you have a favorite moment from this film? Oh, favorite moment. Man, there's a, there's a lot. I feel like it's jam-packed with stuff. You know, I really liked... You know, they talked about all the fairy tale stuff and the breadcrumbs. I really liked the, the trail of the sleeping pills yeah. that led them there. I think that was I think that was really cool what they used and stuff and just yeah, you know, kind of tied it all in. Yeah, cool. I, I like that it's a fairy tale. Mm-hmm. It really is. Yeah, uh, you know, there's the there's the dragon in the dungeon. There's the witch. Yeah. You know, with her with her oven, kind of thing. Um, my favorite moment is the breaking of the fourth wall. It's the first time you really see. Uh, Freddie in this movie when he comes out of the closet and he's yeah. looking right in the camera and he says miss me and yes. I think that's one of the great uh, Freddie Krueger lines yeah, that's my favorite line I think the way that he delivers it uh, what it means to the dark evil yeah. Freddie is looking right yeah. at you saying because it's not that comical Freddie it's that dark Freddie yeah and he's saying miss me you know like yeah. you know because we haven't seen him in a while mm-hmm. And uh, not taking anything away from the sequels because we've talked. I mean, I do. I'm, I mean, love the sequels. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're fun movies. They're not as you know. If you want that dark Freddy, those aren't the way to go. But yeah, I mean, this easier. one. <laughs> yeah, that to me is Wes Craven making a statement. That's yeah. it's you know Robert England making a statement. You know, and and that that it, the way he delivers that line is wonderful. It's just that 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 whisper, that Michael Keaton Batman yeah. whisper. You know, yeah. and there's nothing on his voice at that point either. That's that's no. that's a hundred percent. England. Um, I like that scene. I like the uh, I like the scene with Wes Craven where he talks about stories and and, and capturing the the, the evil. Mm-hmm. You know, I like that. I like the uh, the fact that this story you see the screenplay at times and it's playing out and it loops back on itself. The way that this you know the metafiction nature right. of this I think is a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, Again, I think this is jam packed with with a lot of good stuff. <laughs> a lot of great stuff. Uh, Freddie doesn't talk much in the movie, but uh, one of the most chilling lines, I think, in his canon is in this film, which is, uh, hey, Dylan, ever play Skin the Cat? When, yeah. uh, you know, the recreation of Tina's death from the original, when they have uh, what's Tracy Middendorf plays Julie, mm-hmm. Julie's death, which is a kind of a callback to that yeah. in a big way. And then you, but you actually see him doing exactly. the killing here, which is kind of cool. And uh, one of the little things I was noticing that was kind of terrifying was the way he just, uh, kind of tapped her on the head and broke her neck mm-hmm. which was which was which was great uh <laughs> it's so great but you didn't get you didn't get as much blood in this one as you did uh Mm-mm. you know when that big pool of blood you know, when she fell off the ceiling but uh 
Only four deaths in this. Yeah. Her, her, the the husband, and then the two guys, and then Freddie. If you want, if you want to count that, five. But uh, no, um, like I said, top to bottom, this is really great. It a lot really of great is. scenes in the movie. It's very, like I said, it's a neat movie. You know yeah. what I mean? It's very cool to watch and, and follow along with. Yeah, the way that uh, Freddie's revealed in the oatmeal. You know, you can see his yeah. face in the oatmeal. Uh, Robert England having the dreams about him and painting him. Robert England getting scared of Freddie and leaving <laughs> town, you know, <laughs> from his uh, mortuary-looking uh, house that he lives in. I, I think Dylan alone, too, is one of my favorite things because he's just... He's so creepy. You got a creepy kid in this, creepy kids. Like, and come what on, is it? Take, take your kid somewhere earlier on, and, and you and know, if he's going to be creepy. Why is it every time we have, like, a creepy kid or creepy family, we have a Volvo in these movies? <laughs> you ever notice? There's, like, always a Volvo. She drives a Volvo station wagon her in this mom, one. Didn't her mom drive one in the original? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I love the fact that they make reference, like, her mom had being crazy. Mm-hmm. But it's the mom from 84 that they're, you know, because she's Nancy. That's it. She's <laughs> she's Nancy. You know? She really is. So, it, yeah, it's 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 wonderful. It's it's really a great movie. Uh, I, I recommend this for non-horror yeah. fans because I don't think there's anything in there outside of, you know, just dealing with the look of Freddy Krueger that you can't handle right. with <laughs> Again, this. Again, you don't, I mean, you don't see him immediately, so. Yeah, you can this prepare is, yourself. This is a great movie about movies. Uh, one of the criticisms, let me ask you this, because a lot of people are upset that he reveals him in the daylight at the funeral in the coffin pulling the husband down. They they think that he should have waited a little longer. How hmm. do you feel about the reveal right there? I don't. I didn't have a that, problem yeah, with it. That didn't really bother me. I mean, I think that's a pretty dark, Yeah. you know, I mean... <laughs> You know what I mean? Not literally with uh, the sunlight, but that's a dark moment. You're in the husband's coffin. <laughs> yeah. They said, you know, it should have been the uh, the miss me moment. But I, I, no, I'm fine knowing that it's like I a Freddy Krueger out there. Yeah. You know, I can uh, see the miss me moment, though, being. I will say this, too. Him coming up out of the bed. Oh, that's, that was, was beautiful. Bad. Yes. But the, the, the cherry on top for me was the Nosferatu shadow yes. on the wall. <laughs> like. Straight out of Nosferatu, yes. and the way that he was moving, I got to give England a lot of credit for his body language in this movie mm-hmm. because it's it's, I wouldn't call it a silent performance, but you know he's relying more on his physicality here than he has been in the previous installments up to this point. Yeah. I think he's I think he does a, a hell of a job. Like I said, I there are so times too. I just don't feel like I'm looking at Robert England. You know, it's yeah. it's. You think you're looking at an this entity thing, of yeah. this thing, exactly. yeah, and, and, especially when he comes up out of the bed and he's like looking at. I mean, yeah, that doesn't. That doesn't like Freddy, like Robert at all, you know. It's yeah, pretty creepy. Yeah, they, they really hit him under there. Yeah, you know, and uh, but he's still there, which mm-hmm. is which is great. You know who it is, but it's just a little different. Yeah. So, uh, did you have any other uh, favorite moments or or lines? Um, again, I think this is jam packed with a lot. It's mostly all of them. <laughs> and just seeing John Saxon again, yes. you know, is is always a treat. I love always. John Saxon. I love him. Yeah, there's there's a lot of good stuff in here. Um. Yeah, I can't really think of anything off the top of my head. I think everything's really good. I think if you haven't seen this, I think it's, I think you have to see it if you're gonna if you're gonna watch the whole entire franchise. I think this is one you have yeah. to see. Yeah, this one needs to be seen. Yeah. Um, so well, that's it. That's it for me. Wonderful film from a wonderful director. Uh, check out uh, our our episode on A Nightmare on Elm Street from 1984. That's available wherever podcasts can be found. That was our fiftieth episode. Yes. I believe of the show. So just to give you a little heads up on what we got coming, we did Mystery Thriller Month, and Faith and I decided that we like 
doing these months, mm-hmm. uh, like theme months. So this month uh, has a theme, but doesn't have a theme. <laughs> we're doing just we're getting back into straight horror films for a month, and then we're going to be moving into uh, some theme months. We don't know what uh, what the order of this is going to be, but I would like to let everyone out there know what we have coming. So we're going to be doing a John Carpenter month. We do have those films picked. It's going to be a good month. Those films are picked. Uh, we're going to be doing a sci-fi month. Uh, mm-hmm. That will be both sci-fi horror and then just, just straight sci-fi. We're going to be doing horror comedy month. And I can tell you right now, we are going to have a Rick Moranis week <laughs> in that. Uh, we're going to be doing a paranormal month. So that would be spotlighting movies like Poltergeist and Amityville Horror, things of, things of that nature. We're going to be doing sequel month. Ooh, sequel yeah, month. Fun too. Sequel month. <laughs> And uh, we're going to be doing a Stephen King rules month, so a month of nothing but Stephen King movies. So Sounds that's what good. we've got. That's what we've got so far. That's of course, a pretty good list we have. That's a, not a bad <laughs> list. And of course, we're going to be having you know some uh, some fun stuff you know uh, along with those supplemental episodes, and then some just for fun episodes and some TV stuff as it comes up. So hopefully, we'll have some more Mandalorian this year to talk about. Yeah, and, it comes uh, out in November. November. So we're going to have some more Mandalorian to talk about. Hopefully, uh, I think. Yeah. Yeah, some more <laughs> creep so. some more creep show this year, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully yeah. so. Uh, no so, more no more Goop Lab. <laughs> I think we're done with the Goop Lab, Faith. I think we're done with 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 Goop and Gwenny. We'll still oh, make that, fun that of it. That was not her. a question. That was me. Oh, okay. <laughs> no more Goop Lab. Yeah, that was that was an experience and an experiment. Oh we will, man. We will, we will not be repeating, but uh, Anyway, so it's been a year. Thank you all so much. It's, uh, this has been quite a ride, and we're looking forward to another year here. And uh, uh, we're, we're just going to keep trying to get better. And uh, this was a more low-key anniversary episode than I thought it would be. But you know what? That's that's okay, too. <laughs> what you want it to be like. I wanted it to be just uh, loud, fast, young, quick. <laughs> Confetti flying. Fireworks, <laughs> MTV. That's what... <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. So, Faith, you have anything else before we call it a night? I think that's it. Again, this is a really cool movie, really good movie that I think everyone should see. You should watch it again if you haven't seen it in a while. It's a shame this was one of the lowest uh, money makers of the series. I know. Yeah. I don't think people were ready for it. You know, I read that. That's why they weren't ready for it. They weren't ready for it when he wanted it in three. The studio wasn't ready for yeah. it. Yeah. And, you know. I mean, yeah. I guess everything has timing, but yeah, this this works. So this it still works. Still twenty feels 20, so underrated. Twenty six, twenty six years. Yeah. It still feels underrated though. After the fact, I I agree with you. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, three is always kind of regarded as the best sequel. I will say three is the best uh, proper sequel, yeah. but this is you know I think just the direct sequel I to mean, the first movie. I mean, apparently a lot of people agree with us on reviews that I was reading, but a lot of people couldn't stand this movie, and I was so confused. <laughs> I can see that because it's 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 more of an intellectual exercise. Yes. It's not a straight slasher movie. That's the thing. It's not. They said they were bored. Yeah, I'm not, I playing devil's advocate. I can see that. You know, but it. I think it just makes it that much better. You I think know, the it's build fun up. To follow. I mean, yeah, the you build know. up of it towards. Yeah. Towards this towards this thing, I I can see some of the criticisms, but uh, uh, I'm not going to agree with them. I think I think this no. is really great. I think I think he was ahead of the curve. Because if you look at the way, you know, things are so self-referential these days with shows like Rick and Morty and then The Simpsons started going that way. And, you know, uh, the show community especially, you know, was very self-referential. I think Wes Craven was ahead of the curve, you know, on a lot of these things. Yeah, I think so. They just we we weren't ready for this yet. Yeah. And 
Yeah, I think some people still might not be ready for it, but I think Probably it's a, not, but... it's a great companion piece to the to the films. It's a commentary on the films, which I, I mean, you don't see things like that I too know. often. There's been movies about movies, one of my favorite being Tropic Thunder, but <laughs> yeah, the way that this movie is about itself, yeah. you know, is it's 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 a head scratcher. It's Literally. very it's a very cool movie <laughs> that only I think Wes Craven could have could have come up with yeah. and executed and, you know, and as, pretty as much well mastered for the most part, you know. Yeah. And then I think this was just that trial run for Scream. Then Scream just you know blows it all out the yeah. water. But uh, this, I, I think this is the better movie than Scream. I think so too. Like yeah. I said, Scream is fun, but I think this one is you know it really gets you thinking. It has more to say than Scream. Yeah, I really mean the things I said about. It. I think this movie. There's some life lessons in this movie about how you deal with tragedy yeah. or whatever your problem may be. You name it, and yeah. if you can name it and give it form. Then you can meet it head on yeah. on your own terms. I agree. You know, so wonderful stuff from a horror movie. Yeah, from a horror movie. You know, I know. life lessons, <laughs> life lessons from Wes. <laughs> so, oh my dear, it feels like it is at time, does it, it not? Does it, it feel? Does it feel like it to you? It does. Let's see if we listen very closely. Ah, there it is, Faith. Time Music. to say goodbye. Time to say goodbye. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. It's been a good year. It has been a good year. It's been a lot of fun. Yes. I can't believe it's been a year. <laughs> I know. We're going to keep going for another year. I'm ready. Thank you all out there for continuing to support us. And if this is your first time, thank you for showing up. And we hope that uh, you'll come back in the future. And let's try to get all those states that we're missing, huh? That's right. Let's make that a goal for this Idaho, year. Idaho, Wyoming, <laughs> Oklahoma, Vermont. He's calling you out. We're coming after you. <laughs> all right, Faith, let's do it. May your coffin be cozy and your sarcophagus warm. May the light of the moon keep you safe from harm. Be you vampire, spook, specter, or beast. Always remember, keep keep your your monster monster on a leash. leash. We'll see you on the other side. This is a coyote for the late night fright with Dan and Faith. Thank you for one year of fun. We hope you got good vibes over this year. We hope you take them good vibes out into the world with you. And if you run into some Freddy Kruegers out there and you can't find them good vibes in the world, look deep in your heart. They're right there waiting for you. See you further down the trail.